You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation's Lead On Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary, your host and the president of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. Joining me today is one of our, uh, started out as a volunteer uh, for one of our classes called Foundry, the second Foundry class. She went on to become one of the leads for that class. She did volunteers in the Chief Petty Officer Legacy Academy and Pride Day. Somebody who's been with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation far longer as a volunteer than, than she joined us as a board member. So I want to welcome Sharita Nicholson. Sharita is a Navy Command, well, uh, Command Master Chief now, right, Sharita? No, I'm not a Command Master Chief. I'm a Logistics Specialist Master Chief serving in Norfolk, Virginia at the Reserve Component Command. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. Uh, you, you perform as a Command Master Chief, and that's probably why mm-hmm. I referred to you as such. So, Sharita, you've uh, you've been in the Navy how many years now? Twenty seven years. Twenty seven years. So and uh, and Dave, I have a birthday coming up next week. I'm going to be forty five years old, and I'm feeling it. I did selecty PT this morning. Okay. And I'm feeling it. So so okay, selecty PT. You know, as the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, we provide leadership development for all enlisted military across all branches. In fact, our last foundry class, we had our first first Space Force student and mentor. Uh, so not everybody may be familiar with Select DPT. Why don't you explain what Select DPT is? Of course. Uh, so with the Navy, we have a tradition where we have, um, I would say, uh, initiation process when sailors are selected from E6 going to E7. And we refer to that as Chief Petty Officer Initiation Season. And what we do is we do a lot of team building, we do a lot of mentorship, and we also do a lot of PT, Um, usually three or more times a week. And it involves uh, group runs and sprint runs and a lot of calisthenics and a lot of different exercises, as well as close order drill, where we practice our marching and our cadence, where we sing like a song to coincide with our steps. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really fun and exciting. Um, but like I said earlier, I'm a logistics specialist. And the reason why I want to bring that up is because we are almost in the last week of the fiscal year, which means in addition to select PTing and training and mentoring, we also have a large budget to close out for the sure. fiscal year, which is kind of kind of exciting. You know, this is when we 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 uh, show how well we are with our skills and budgeting and managing funds and also executing things too. So, you know, that, that's a really great definition. And, and as someone who made chief pet house for myself back in 1996, uh, you know, one of the things that they, they stressed during my initiation season was piling on as much as they can onto our plate uh, more to prove to ourselves how much we can actually take on as well as to just uh, convey to us as a, as a future chief petty officer, that there's an expectation that you're able to accomplish more uh, than the daily norm, if you will. So having to go out there, making the time to do the select DPT, as well as closing out the books and doing everything else and managing the people, I should say leading the people and managing the resources that you have to make sure that everything closes out correctly. So during the initiation season, along with 
giving them as much as they can do. We, we, we task them with a lot of uh, tasks, you know, assign a lot of tasks for them. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's more about teamwork than leadership, but there are things we have this thing called a charge book where people give charges, they give leadership advice and things like that, that we can refer back to. I still look at my charge book from time to time, even as a retiree. Me too. So let me, well, you're not a retiree yet, but I know what you mean. But let me ask you this. When it comes mm-hmm. to leadership to advice, uh, everybody has advice. And it always seems up the higher, the higher we go up the promotion food chain, the more advice we want to give. So is there ever been uh, like the worst piece of leadership advice someone ever gave you? Yes. Um, <laughs> and I would share. <laughs> um, so, so the one thing that comes to mind is when I was pregnant with my son, Xavier, who is now 16 years old. And so as a sailor, you know, we're always taught to manage our career and also our work-life balance. And mm-hmm. so when I was on sure duty, I became pregnant, my first pregnancy with my son, Xavier, and my chief highly suggested that I get an abortion. And his logic behind that was, hey, you're such a stellar first class, and I'm afraid that if you have a child, your performance is going to decrease. And so um, really horrible advice, right, coming from a senior leader in the military. But yeah, I received that advice uh, from one of my leadership uh, chiefs when I was a first class petty officer. And uh, I had to say, wait a second, chief, isn't your wife pregnant? And he said, yes. And I said, well, did you ask her to get an abortion? And of course, he looked at me like, well, why would you expect me to do that? And so I had to turn the tables to say, you know, why would you ex- why would you even suggest this to me? And you don't even practice this in your own family. And so um, I would tell you my pregnancy was not planned. However, I was 28 years old when I did finally become pregnant. Um, I was well established. I had a, I was, you know, a, a career. I was also married um, and had served in the Navy for about, I don't know, 14 years up until that point. And so that was the worst piece of advice that I have ever received. Wow. Uh, from Navy leadership while in the Navy. That's something else. Uh, you know, you, mm-hmm. you made a comment in that story that we we have heard over the years. And I'd like to just unpack it a little bit. Uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And do you find in your 27 years in the service uh, that that leaders uh, and throughout the, the, the chain of command, uh, enlisted an officer, is, is that a leadership attitude that's common um, sometimes or, or uncommon in your experience? So uh, in my early career, um, it was, it was common. Um, I joined the Navy in 1994, right before you made chief petty officer. Mm -hmm. And in the nineties, there were things like, uh, a keg of beer Mm -hmm. or beer at the end of the PT cycle, um, because it was rewarded that, you know, you finish, you can drink. Um, not so much today. Um, also things like, uh, coming to work late, having a laissez-faire attitude. Um, I honestly thought that when I made chief, in 2011, it was going to be great because then I, I thought that I could just go to Chiefs Medicine. Not all is uh, not the case anymore. And so uh, now I'd like to say the mm-hmm. Navy has transformed a lot to where we have 
um, created psychologically safe working environments for sailors, or at least we try to, so that they can actually communicate openly and effectively. Um, they also understand why they're doing tasks, which is, you know, not just doing and saying what I do and, and things like that, but, you know, having the having mm-hmm. the uh, communication with the sailors to let them know why they're doing a task and why it's important. So a lot more communication standardizes with the Navy today than it was back mm-hmm. when I was a junior sailor. It was do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you, you, you use the phrase the Navy's transformed. Um, I don't know if the Navy transformed. It, it, it could be a play on words. You know, I think the people transformed and the people make up the Navy. Um, but I do think that the, the generations, you know, whether, whether we want to say it's, it's access through technology um, like in, in this medium, for example, um, more information available. There's more tools out there that people can use to learn how to lead, uh, as well as I think there's a certain uh, argument to be made as the military as a whole uh, reduced its force and strength, right? We, we started doing more with less people, or I should say it's not really doing more. We just accomplished the mission with less people. In some cases, we did do more still. But, um, but even when you said, uh, you know, uh, after you made chief 2011, you probably experienced this before then, the amount of praise and recognition, communication, you use the word, that we give. I mean, listen, when, I, when you came in, and, and certainly before you came in, if the chief showed up at the, in your spot, in your space, there was, there a, was problem. a problem. That's right. Right? You, you, there was a problem. You did not want the chief in your mm-hmm. uh, up in your mm-hmm. weeds at all. It's like, oh man, chief's here. What I do wrong? Where'd we screw up? Um, it was, in fact, it was my goal as a radio man to keep the chief out of radio. Uh, I got it. And um, where and, and if they weren't telling you you're doing a good job, I mean, they tell you do bad. So if they're not telling you you're doing a bad job, you assume right. you're doing a good job, right? Um, where I think a lot of that has gone by the wayside, for better or worse. Um, I think from a praise and recognition standpoint, it's better. I do think where where I have seen or I saw is I felt that as an E5, E6, I had more responsibility to accomplish my tasks without direct supervision. I saw, I think there tends to be more direct supervision of some of those tasks that I used to do as an E5 now have to be accomplished as a, as a E7. That, do you experience any of that yourself or, or am I just kind you know, of- I had a past? conversation with my sailors this morning. Um, so I still conduct quarters every morning. I'm old school like that. And so every morning I, I do that. And uh, I had a conversation today with them about micromanaging. And uh, what I explained was, you know, micromanaging, I don't like doing it uh, because I feel like when you do micromanage people, um, you kind of take away that innovation that they have. You know, we we give them the tools of what they have to do. We tell them, you know, get so-and-so task accomplished. And, and of course, we want to make sure it's legal, ethical, and safe, and it's done in accordance with the guidelines. Now, how you get the task completed, I should not have to tell you step A through Z on how to do it. Um, you have the the instructions and the guidance. I want you to go forth and prosper. And so uh, that's one thing that, mm-hmm. that the Navy does, um, has done as a whole 
a lot, which is empowering the sailors and not necessarily micromanaging mm-hmm. the sailors when you're talking about, you know, the differences between old school Navy and new school Navy. Yeah, that, that's a great example. And, and it, I, it does my heart good to hear that you you do quarters. I, I can remember doing quarters when I was on, on the USS New Jersey and we were in Homeport in Long Beach. And there's about 40 of us, 30 or 40 in the division. Man, it's cold out there. You're standing out there on the flight deck. Or we didn't have a flight deck. We are on the teakwood deck by turret two. And there's one Yahoo come. We're all wearing a jacket. And then there's one sailor who comes out without a jacket. Chief would, chief would like, get your jackets off. Everybody have to then be without a jacket. You have to you be know, uniform. uniform thing. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, so, wow. That's, so I could, that's one thing I remember. So, I can tell you, some, sometimes quarters have changed. There's sometimes where I have to hold virtual quarters because we're in a COVID environment. Okay. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's uh, we have to get creative as far as how we're leading uh, through COVID, through this COVID environment. So I, I get it. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, how has the Navy strengthened you and help, help and, and deal with situations good and bad? I mean, you, you dealt with, you shared with us the bad decision situation you had to deal with and then continue to press on. But is there any other examples where the Navy's maybe have strengthened you over the years? Of course. Um, uh, so you mentioned in the beginning, um, you talked about the Enlisted Leadership Foundation and how I became a mentor for the Foundry. Well, I first became a mentor in 2012 when one of my sailors, his name is Donald Bailey, and I still talk to him to this day. Now he's a senior chief. Uh, Donald Bailey was one of my first classes, and he went through Foundry Class 001. And uh, mm-hmm. he was one of my sailors, and I'd always talk to him and provide him with guidance, but he never listened. Um, it was always, you know, hey, we've been having these talks and things like that. And, and I don't understand what I'm not communicating, but come on now, this is what we have to do, you know, and we, we would come up with teams and plans and things like that. But after five days, five days of being on board the USS Midway, uh, Donald Bailey, then a first class gave me a coin, a challenge coin from the foundry. And he says, thank you for everything that you've done for me. All of a sudden, after five days, I get it. And I and and it blew me away because I had to say, you know, after five days, and I've been talking to you for about six months, I need to be part of this organization that's making changes so in the sailors, uh, growing in the sailors. And so that's when I first became a mentor. But, you know, I've always come back because I felt like just like the Chiefs initiation season, the Foundry has provided me with an opportunity to to, I, I don't know, continue to grow and develop and also uh, hear different ideas, be around different people and kind of grow as a whole. And so I am always pushing the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, not just because I'm the board member or one of the board members, it's because I wholeheartedly believe in the organization and what it has to offer as far as uh, leading and providing uh, uh, guidance and and that, that uh community. It's, it's really great. Well, you, you certainly have helped make that difference um, by, by being part of it. And, you know, you mentioned the USS Midway. We couldn't, we couldn't do it without the Midway support when we are face-to-face with our programs and they provide us their ship so that we can, you know, house all of our students on board the ship overnight. You know, that, that's, you know, as a nonprofit, we want to make sure these classes are affordable because we know over 85% of our students pay their own way. And boy, if we had to put them up in hotel rooms, 
the cost would go astronomical. So the fact that the Midway uh, provides us that th- those beds, if you will, plus just the, uh, you, you know, how many people over the last gosh, 16 classes, now granted the last four have been virtual, but prior to how many never even, you know, set on foot, set foot on a ship, you know, or spent the night because we have some of those jobs in, in the, in the Navy that they never, mm-hmm. they never have. And what started as a Navy focused uh, class program. Now we've had every branch of the military come through. It's so exciting. Um, that is exciting. You know, and, and so thank you again. You know, we, what about, um, I want to explore one more thing real quick because we're coming close to the end of time. We may have to have a part two. Uh, you talk oh. and you refer to multiple times about the, uh, the chief's mess. Um, how has the chief's mess impacted you? Aside from that, I'll keep referring back to that one chief. But how has the chief's mess impacted impacted you in your life? Well, um, it, it's been so. I, I would tell you, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be transparent, but it's been up and down. Okay. And I, I say that because, uh, you know, I'm going from a start of the Navy E1 all the way up until today E9. And you know, in the chief's mess, we always preach brotherhood and sisterhood. And that's great as long as you have uh, people that are willing to accept and embrace and things like that. And so in today's cheese mess, I feel like, you know, it's it's a cohesive environment. Mm -hmm. But I also have to let you know that there are still uh, uh, there's still bad apples. And, And I say that because, you know, we see the Navy Times, we see all the reports, we still see things. But it's also our responsibility to make sure that we continue to mentor people through whatever situation they're going through and try to uh, be the best for them. But also we can't enable people if they're making bad decisions. And so uh, that's what I do love about the Chiefs Mess. It is a strong chain and uh, we we do have a, a great working environment. Um, and uh, when there are things that need to be corrected, things are brought up to light or brought out into the light. You know, and, and every every organization, every every fraternal organization, business line of business, there's always going to be a quote unquote bad apple. Um, and, and and listen, if there were never any bad apples, there'd be no need for leadership programs. <laughs> um, but amen. But but part of um, you know sometimes bad apples don't realize they're bad apples. Uh, they're just mirroring people uh, that they learned under. And if they've seen people who may not, you know, and then bad apple can, listen, I've had a bad apple just because on one part of it is a little bruise. I've also had bad apples that the whole thing is bruised and has a worm in it. So bad apple can cover a whole range. You know, so there could be a a leader that somebody is following and they see that leader continue to promote and excel, even though they're, they're more uh, maybe they're just a positional leader. They just, they're the, the kind of leader that has to remind everybody, listen, I'm in charge. Okay. And if you have to remind people that you're in charge, you're not much of a leader. So, um, but yes. you know what? Um, over time, I think a lot of bad apples identified. Sometimes they self-select. Sometimes we help identify them. Sometimes they can look around and see others promote around them. And then their promotions have stopped. And hopefully they'll do an internal gut check. They'll look around. They'll ask for some some assistance. Uh, so, uh, but clearly, you went from E1 through E9. So, uh, I and I've known you for going on 10 years, and uh, you're not a bad apple. Um, and I've actually seen how you've changed some of your leadership along the way as well. 
So uh, listen, one, one final yes. question before we go. So listen, we, we, as leaders in the higher up the food chain, we go, we, we, we're expected to make decisions. And not every decision is the right decision. Um, but sometimes we get lucky. So have you ever made uh, a bad decision, maybe not realizing it's a bad decision, or maybe you didn't realize it till after the completion, but one of those bad decisions that, that ultimately had a good outcome though? Um, yes. Uh, so I was reflecting on my career and the one thing that you talked about earlier, in fact, you introduced me as a command master chief. And so I want to tell you, I, I was selected as a command senior chief. Um, and what the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because a lot of people to this day saying, why aren't you a CMC, you know, and there's a whole story behind that. And so when I was uh, in San Diego, California, I got uh, selected to be the command senior chief or a command senior chief. And I actually had the opportunity to hold the position as the command master chief for several months because we didn't have a master chief on board the ship. Anyway, it was a uh, promotion time and I had to make a hard decision. Should I archive my command senior chief and revert back to my source rate or should I um, continue to be a command senior chief and possibly not promote? And so I had to, you know, look at the pros and cons, but I decided to archive my command senior chief um, appointment and revert back to my supply appointment because I also because I held the position for a few months, I actually never served in a tour as a command senior chief. And so I mm -hmm. felt like that that would hurt me. And uh, it became a great decision because uh, when everything was said and done, I did promote to master chief, uh, just not command master chief. And so uh, sometimes you have to follow your gut on things and uh, look at the pros and cons of things. And and one thing that I always say is there, there's always a reason why things are happening. It's always a reason. Even if I'm stuck in traffic for hours, I, I try to say, okay, there is a reason why I'm at this place at this time in this moment. There's a reason for everything. And so I, I uh, would say continue focusing on a good, the good outcomes, and uh, lead with integrity. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great story. So uh, some could say that was a bad decision, um, but it had the good outcomes at the end. Um, and ultimately, that's, that's a decision that affects you and your family. And uh, boy, that's 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 a heavy load. That's well, right. Sharita, I want to I want to thank you for taking the time this morning. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do uh, on behalf of all enlisted military through the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. I'm David Deary once again with Lead On Lessons with Military Leaders. You just listened to Sharita Nicholson, a Master Chief Petty Officer serving on the East Coast. Join us every first and fifteenth Military Paydays for another episode. You can visit our website at www.enlistedleadershipfoundation.org to learn more about the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, our programs. And soon, when we actually do this for real, we're going to have a special offer for you to go to to check out just because you tuned in here. So until next time, thank you and lead on.